What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matt. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And on today's podcast, we have a very special guest, Northeastern women's hockey player Andrea Renner joins the show today. However, before we get to her interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow our social media accounts on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at College Hockey Talk. Also, follow our Spotify page and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page as well and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow and helps new people find us, and I really appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to me. Now, like I mentioned just a few seconds ago, our guest today is Andrea Renner. I had a great conversation with Andrea as we talk about many things throughout this interview. We talk about her college hockey experience with Northeastern, and we obviously talk about this past season as well, where her team made it all the way to the national championship game. We also discuss about Andrea's journey to D1 college hockey as well. So it was overall a great interview with Andrea. So let's not waste any more time. Here is the interview. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Assistant Captain of the Northeastern Huskies, Andrea Renner. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Andrea, and how's everything going? Good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Now, I think we have to address what just happened in your season a few weeks ago. So your team made it all the way to the national championship game and lost. Uh, have you had time to fully process, I guess, what just happened and how are you dealing with it so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we had a, a great season, um, a tremendous run, and we set um, the bar really high for Northeastern hockey and the expectations. Um, yeah, I mean, being in the national championship game and playing such a um, a high skilled, a high um, highly caliber team like Wisconsin was a great experience. Um, it was it was a really fun game to be part of, and um, yeah, we fell short, but I mean, I was just so proud of everything that we accomplished uh, this season. So um, yeah, I've been reflecting a little bit on our season and just the run that we had, and I'm I'm just so proud of everything that we were able to do this year, given with how weird the season was with the pandemic and everything going on. Yeah, definitely. And I guess what's your plans for the off season now? And are you going to take a little bit of a break since you've been playing for so long compared to other college hockey teams? Yeah, I've been taking some time off a little bit. Um, I mean, it's only been a little over a week since um, our game. So I might take um, a few more days off and then just try to really uh, figure out all the bumps and bruises, just get that taken care of that the season uh, brings. So I'm just trying to take some time off uh, mentally and physically just to just to kind of like reboot and re-energize. So that way when I go home for training in the summer, I feel really good about where I'm at. Yeah, well, guess what are your plans for the off season? What do you hope to work on in your game? Um, I have a few things in mind, but um, I know I usually have a meeting with our coaches at the end of the year and we kind of talk about uh, – things that I did well and things that uh, I can improve on. So um, I have my own things in mind, but I'm looking forward to just talking with them and seeing their perspective as well. And um, it's really nice that they do that with all of us at the end of the season. So we have targets that we can work on um, in the summer and really just try to aim towards those things to make our whole team better. So um, yeah, when I have that meeting with them, I can really try to figure out what it is and um, even watching video back, I can really try to pinpoint where I need to be better. Um, I think in the middle of the season, when you go through it, it's kind of hard to really look at what you could be better at collectively because there's so many ups and downs. Um, so I think looking back at film and going over the, 
like a game plan with my coaches is going to be really beneficial for me uh, for training this summer. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see your team play next year just because hopefully there's fans back in the building. I think that would add a nice aspect to your team, especially since you guys didn't experience that this year, really. And I think I think teams should be scared of playing you guys because you're motivated, you're ready to go. I guess, like, what are some of your goals and expectations for next year? The same as this year. We want to win a national championship. Um, we want to make sure we're going on an uphill uh, climb and we're not taking any steps backwards or going downhill. Um, we want to make sure that we're setting the bar and the expectation for um, the teams that we play. And like I said, I think for us, it's going to be making sure that we stick to our goals as a team um, when we set them every year. And um, yeah, ultimately for us, it's going to be winning that national championship that we were so close to doing this year. Now, last year you redshirted. I guess what did you do during your redshirt year that helped you for this year? Um, yeah, so I had an injury last year, uh, so I utilized my redshirt season. Um, yeah, so I think for me, I watched our games very intently. Um, for me, I, I think personally, just to see where I could probably find some holes and areas that I can really improve upon um, watching our games and watching other teams in our league. But then also I tried to watch really intently for our team. So um, in between periods, I had an opinion or I had something that I could do to help our team. Um, and I just know, too, last year, whenever I was at the rink and we had practice, obviously I wasn't able to practice um, with the injury that I had. So um, whenever I was done doing my rehab sessions in the training room, I would try to catch like the last 20 minutes of practice just to watch and see um, where our compete level was at, where the expectation was um, every single practice because it needs to be high all the time for us to be successful. Um, so, yeah, I think just really paying really close attention to the details and just watching games and practices when I could with like the most intention that I that I was able to um, just to try and help myself, but also help our team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, your team has a great regular season this past year when you played. Uh, what was the key for maintaining that success throughout the regular season, especially in hockey East, where all the teams are really giving it their best every night against you guys since they want to knock you off that rankings? Yeah, we, we definitely have a target on our back every um, every year uh, for the last four or five years. So I think from a leadership perspective, you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page with what we have to do each game, um, each practice, and just making sure that we stay focused on the game plan and what we have to do. Um, and I think something, too, that we kind of emphasize is never getting too high and never getting too low um, because not everything's going to go according to plan every single game. Um, and I mean, it happened at times where we might have been down or it just wasn't going according to plan. So I think for us, it was just making sure that we stick to Husky hockey. We knew what we had to do um, and just, yeah, not riding that really high wave and that um, really low uh, decline. So, yeah, just trying to stay consistent and make sure we were sticking to our game plans. Now, your team dealt with many schedule changes throughout the regular season. How did you mentally stay prepared for all those changes and postponements that happened to your schedule? And I guess what was the key for maintaining flexibility for this year? Yeah, this season was definitely one of the toughest seasons for anybody. Um, it wasn't just us that was really experiencing that. Um, I guess the key for us, it was still like a learning process early on, um, trying to figure out how we could get everybody uh, on the same page because it can bring um, some uncertainty uncertainty, and it did at times. So um, for us, I think, honestly, what really kept us in it was just I looked around the room and I saw how mentally tough everybody was um, just for going through what we did. And 
there was times where we were coming to the rink and we heard that our game was canceled or we were getting dressed for the game. And then the coaches had to come in and be like, hey, our, our game's not happening. So, um, and then later that day we were practicing like a really high intense practice. And I mean, from a captain's perspective, we, we were saying, um, you know, like this, this is going to happen. Like we can't control it. So it's about how we respond to it. And I think the team just really grew and adapted to that. We didn't have to do um, all this talking about we need to be mentally tough. It just kind of came and it was there. And as a leader, you're so grateful for that because you don't have to try and pull 30 people to be on the same page. Um, it just kind of was there. And I think that's what made us so successful with all of the peaks and valleys that this season brought. Now, something that was introduced to college hockey this year was three and three overtime. What was that like for yourself? Uh, having more space on the ice and having more offensive opportunity chances in your own zone? Yeah, I think the three-on-three overtime was a huge advantage for us. Um, We're a team with a lot of speed. So you put some of our top players out there in three-on-three, something's something's going to happen that's going to most likely be in our favor just because of the speed that we have and the more space that we have on the ice. Um, it was a huge advantage for us, and I think that the times that we were in overtime, we really played. It really played into our advantage for sure. Yeah, do you have to be a little more defensively minded in those situations? Just because if you make one little defensive mistake, you can cause like an odd man rush. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we practiced it a little bit uh, this year. If we were in an overtime situation, how we would want to forecheck and how we would want to defend. Um, every team has their own strategy, but for us, it was just about making sure we had good layers and. Um, Really, yeah, like you were saying, being defensively sound, taking care of the D zone first so that we can rush uh, really quick offensively. Now, another thing about those three and three overtime situation is possession of the puck is key for having success in three and three overtime. What did you guys work on to try to keep maintain possession of the puck in the other team zone and try to create line changes as well? I think just playing aggressive, taking away time and space. Um, we don't want to sag back and wait for them to make – uh, the first move, we would rather be the team that dictates the play. And like I said, take away take away time and space because that's where the opportunities are going to come if you um, if you can do that. So um, I definitely think for us, that was the key in ordering in order to get uh, a lot of those chances. Now, you obviously didn't play in front of any fans this year. What was that like for yourself and how did you adjust to that? Yeah, it was strange at first. Um, you know, I, my parents come a lot, so it was really weird not seeing them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was kind of strange for sure. But I just think our athletic department and our um, athletic director did a really good job of making sure that even though we weren't going to have fans, it was still so exciting to wake up and play um, at Matthews or even just to play a game in general. Um, they did a really good job of still creating that uh, competitive environment for us other than us just trying to wake up and be excited for games. So, um, yeah, Northeastern did a really good job, given that we had no fans, still trying to, like, promote and make excitement around all of our games. Now, do they pump in, like, crowd noise or, like, the band noise? Because I heard that sometimes at other teams' arenas. Um. For us, I mean, like, when we – they would still have our Jumbotron and still – do stuff like that on the Jumbotron going on. For the band, um, I know when we would win games, they would play like the the tune of the band at the end um, at Matthews. I don't really remember too much away ranks, but yeah, like the band's a huge part of um, our games too. So when we didn't have them this year, it was just kind of another dagger to the heart. But 
um, yeah, I mean, they, like I said, they, the media people, um, everybody at Northeastern did a really good job still, like, making sure that environment at Matthews was still rocking, even though there was no fans. Yeah, definitely. And what was it like playing in front of the cardboard cutouts, I guess, is that an adjustment as well, just because it's like, it's kind of like with fans, but not really. Yeah, they're just staring at you the whole time on the ice. So um, you always have somebody watching you. Even at practice, obviously, they don't take them down um, at all. So it was just there was always someone rooting for us, even though you couldn't hear them, you could see them. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, how would you evaluate your leadership skills this year, being an upperclassman? And are you more of a vocal or lead by example type of player? And how do you try to collaborate with other captains like Veronica Petty and Brooke Hobson? Um, yeah, so I think for me, um, the things that I like to do as a captain is just lead by example. I think that was kind of my first mindset anytime I was in a leadership position or a captain position is just, I feel, I feel like no one's going to really listen or follow what you do if you don't set the example yourself. Um, so for me, a lot of it is just trying to lead by example and just working hard every single day. And, um, when things need to be said, you say them. And um, I think for our leadership group this year, it was definitely one of our um, toughest seasons, not as captains, but I'm saying in terms of with the pandemic and how we had to adapt to every, every single rule possible. Um, every decision that we made was pretty much two or three times as impactful as a normal decision that you make within a team. So I think that our captains this year was just um, – phenomenal and I think having that experience was really helpful for them if they had a question um, they asked me in the beginning um, what to do but I mean we all just kind of took it upon ourselves as us four as a group with um, yeah Brooke Hobson, Aaron Frankel and, and Alina um, we really just took it upon ourselves to just take charge of this team and figure out what we had to do in order to lead us to the position we were in this year at the end of the season. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the hockey's tournament you played in. So you played UNH the first game. You won that game. However, I feel like the score didn't really dictate how close the game was. Uh, so what did you remember from that game, and how did you try to prepare for UNH, especially since they beat you one time during the regular season? Yeah, anytime we play UNH, it's a really good game. Um, like you were saying, the score didn't really reflect how, how hard they worked. And um, they're a really, like Coach Flynn says, a really meat and potatoes type of team. They're a hardworking team. So they're not going to give you an inch. You have to fight for every inch. Um, and I think we just had a complete uh, effort that game. And um, maybe that's why the scoreboard showed what it showed. But um, like you were saying, I mean, they they play like such a hard game and that scoreboard was not reflective whatsoever of how hard they played. Um, yeah, it was a battle and credit to them. They had a really good game plan against us earlier in the year when they beat us. Um, yeah. And even in the playoffs, they played a really good game. So credit to them. And then you played UConn. What challenges does UConn bring and how did you try to go against their challenges that they brought, especially defensively? Cause they're one of the better defensive teams in hockey East because they don't really commit that many penalties and they kind of do that like box formation where it's hard to like move the puck around in your offensive zone. So I guess like, how'd you try to go against some of those challenges that that team brought? Yeah. UConn, we've played UConn a good amount of times, at least with me being here, I've played them a few times in the playoffs um, same thing. They played really hard. Um, they have also, they have a lot of speed, so they were good in transition too. And they had, um, a good goalie at that time as well. I remember I guess, um, yeah, she was on a run at that point too. So they were feeling really good. And, um, every time that we've played them in the playoffs, they gave us a battle. 
So I think for us, it was just having that same mentality of playing Husky hockey. And um, yeah, you can drop all the X's and O's that you want um, to play each opponent. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to stick to your game plan and what works for each opponent. Um, you can't really worry about what they're doing too much. You have to worry about what you guys got to do or what we have to do um, to be successful. Because if you don't do those things, you're not setting yourself up a chance to even win. So um, yeah, whatever game plan we had at that time, each game, we just kind of had to make sure you're sticking to it. Yeah, and just talk about that goal that Chloe Ayart scored late in the third period. It was obviously a shorthand goal, and it, that helped your team advance to the hockey's championship game. I guess what was your reaction to that? The whole bench went nuts. I remember that. Um, that was that was crazy. Yeah, she's a, a shorthanded specialist, I guess. I mean, she had so many. Erin Skyler made a really uh, quick play. It was, I think, it was like a broken two on one or a two on one, and I think. Skyler passed to Chloe. Chloe passed it back to Skyler. They were just playing back, pass back and forth until someone put it in. Um, but yeah, when that happened, it was crazy. Um, it was nothing short of spectacular for sure. I mean, when that happened, we all just kind of went nuts on the bench. And um, yeah, like I said, Chloe's Chloe was great this year, and same with Skyler. So um, when when those two are on the ice, it's really it's really dangerous, but it's also really fun to watch. Now, when you play UK, I guess when in that UConn game, they're obviously coming off that big upset they had against Boston College. How do you try to like stop some of their positive momentum heading into the first period? Because they're obviously really energized because of that win. Yeah, I think um, I think something that we focused on was setting the pace right away. Um, we wanted to be the ones that were dictating uh, the style and the pace that uh, we were going to be playing the whole sixty minutes. Um, we wanted to start fast. I remember that was a conversation that we were having in the locker room before the game. Um, so yeah, when a team, I think when a team's feeling really good about themselves, the, the quickest and the best way to squash it is to start really fast and put them back on their heels as soon as you can. Now you beat Providence in the Hockey East Finals. Talk about winning the Hockey East title and what did it mean to you? Oh, I, I never get tired of hoisting a trophy or um, winning a championship. So um, as a competitor should feel. So I feel like when we won, it was still just a really special moment. It was incredible. And um, I honestly thought of our one senior that wasn't going to be returning, who was, uh, who's a uh, Veronica Petty. And I just remember I wanted to hand the trophy off to her, like as soon as I got it, <laughs> um, because we won in Matthews and that was just a great way for her to end um, her time at Matthews. So, I mean, I just was thinking about her the whole time as well as just my all my teammates. Um, that was just a great way to kind of end our time at Matthews that se this, uh, this season. Yeah, definitely. And what was your mindset heading into the tournament? You obviously were the number one seed. So, I guess, like, what were you guys trying to think about before heading into Erie? Just staying, uh, staying the course, staying the path, um, trusting the process. Um you know, it was definitely a very cool experience to have all eight teams be in one spot because normally that's not what happens. Um, so, I mean, it was just business as usual. We had to make sure that when we were practicing, we were just focused on the opponent at hand and we weren't looking too far ahead. Um, and you can't because after that, it's if you lose, you're done. You can't um, you can't advance anymore, obviously. So. Um, yeah, once we found out we were playing Robert Morris, it was just um, business as usual, and we were just watching video and making sure we were taking care of the task at hand. So, 
Yeah, what was it like being a player in that atmosphere at the tournament? Because it was a little bit different this year because I know the, the crowd was only like 25% capacity. Uh, the red carpet wasn't the same. Like it was a very different compared to other tournaments in the past. So I guess like what was it like being a player in that atmosphere and setting? It was still very fun. Um, the NCAA did a really good job of um, treating us very well while we were there. I mean, that's not a tough – or sorry, that's a tough thing to do. Um, to host eight players in the situation that the world is in um, with the pandemic. So I I honestly enjoyed it because I was around my teammates so much. Um, I had a lot of t- uh, I had a lot of time just to spend with them and it was really fun just to play um, in that arena. I thought the arena was also um, really cool and I just really enjoyed that time there and even though we didn't have as many fans as obviously you would want I mean just to have fans in general was so um great because we didn't have any of that this year at all so um it's the little things like that that you just have to put into perspective and realize that we we didn't have any at all this year so just to have even 12 20 percent whatever it was capacity was something just to be grateful for yeah definitely and I guess you played Robert Morris in the first game what would you overall take away from that game especially since you guys never really played Robert Morris in the regular season, at least when you were there, or at least when you've been at Northeastern? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for us, it was, like I said, we watched video and we were able to see they're a very um, hardworking team. And I remember Coach Flint, when we were watching them, said that they play a lot like UConn. So for us, it was kind of in our advantage. We had just played UConn two games prior. Um, so we kind of approached with the same uh, game plan and the same mindset um, that they're going to be um, – a little bit slower of a team, but they were very skilled. And um, we were just going to try to use our speed to our advantage in that game. Um, and I think when we do that, we're very, very effective. And I think obviously like it showed um, using our speed. That's what was pretty much the game changer for us that game. Yeah, and you're going against Alexi Templeman, who's obviously a very dynamic center. How do you try to stop some of her offensive chances that she creates uh, for her teammates? Yeah, I mean, they, um, they have a lot of great skilled players. So I think for us, it was just – um, making sure that we're positionally sound and we weren't trying to overreach or overstep. We were just playing um, how we play in our D zone. If, if um, yeah, if they have possession of the puck, we were just sticking to our game plan defensively. And um, when we do that, we're really successful against uh, a lot of players. So Now you, you then played Minnesota Duluth in the Frozen Four. You guys were down by two goals heading into the third period. What was the message in the locker room in the second intermission? I remember we were just we weren't we weren't worried and I don't mean that in a cocky way whatsoever I mean that in a in a sense of that we were just so confident that we were going to find a way to to come back um every person's face in the locker room was looking at each other and we were like we have this like we can do it it just takes one goal to put them back on their heels and make it a game and um once we were able to pop that first one that's exactly what happened I feel like and we really started to take control of um, of the game. So, yeah, I th- I think that's what makes a team so special is that when you feel like your back's against the wall, you don't have to, and you don't have to like motivate other people like we can do this. Everyone just knew that we were going to figure it out. That is what makes a team so special is because um, you've instilled all those qualities all season just to feel that way if this situation were to happen. Um, yeah, it was. It was just such a fun game to be a part of. And, yeah, going to that third period, I mean, our backs were against the wall, but we were we were coming full steam ahead. Um, we weren't afraid to lose whatsoever. So um, that was such a fun game to play in.
Now, Skylar Fontaine scored that unbelievable overtime winner goal. I guess what was your what was going through your head when she scored that goal? Because watching it uh, from my TV, it was kind of like slow motion because it hit off the goalie's pad and like trickled in. I guess like what was going through your head when that happened, and what was just going through your head also because you were playing in your first ever national championship game. Yeah. So when she scored um, against Minnesota Duluth, and yeah, it hit off the goalie's shoulder, and it kind of trickled in it was like you're saying it was like slow motion I'm like come on come on it's going in um but yeah so once that happened uh I've never heard the bench scream so loud in my life <laughs> it was so fun yeah I just remember I blacked out from the bench to the team uh hug on the ice and I just remember I Skyler and I were joking about this when it happened all I could say to her was oh my god Oh my God. And I just, it's all I could say to her. And we were just laughing about it afterwards um, because I couldn't really process what was happening. But um, yeah, once, once you're able to just kind of relax and like calm down after the game and really realize what happened, it was um, so cool to just realize the position that you just put yourself in and what she just put our team uh, in for the next game, which is a national championship. So um, yeah, it was, it was such a cool feeling, such a cool experience. So um, yeah, Skyler was a lifesaver in that situation. <laughs> Definitely, especially since she had like 12 shots throughout that entire game. And then it finally went in, which was awesome to see because it's I, I understand that feeling of just you keep shooting and it just doesn't work. And then it finally goes in. It's like one of those great feelings you have. Yeah, I know. We were actually talking about that after the game because I, I was like, man, I feel like she shot the puck a lot. And then we looked and then she had, I think, yeah, like you were saying 11, 12 shots. For anybody, it's a lot for a defenseman. That's mm-hmm. that's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so she was all over the puck in um, that game. So, yeah, she was just firing from all cylinders. Now, how would you handle the nerves of playing in the national championship game? Because there's obviously a lot of pressure that comes with that. It's going to be on ESPN for the first time. So, I guess, like, what was your mindset heading into that game? Um, To be honest, I wasn't. When I got to the rink, I was not nervous. I was maybe feeling a little bit of nerves an hour before, like when I was getting ready to leave the hotel. But um, we had a really great support system from everybody that came. So a lot of parents came, and they kind of sent us off when we left the hotel, and they were cheering for us. And I think when you when you see that, I almost felt excited more than nervous. Um, and I think, too, at least for me, and I know a lot of my teammates that have just had so much experience at a high um, high level. I, the reason why I wasn't feeling too nervous was because I felt really comfortable with our team and, and we were all in a very good headspace. Um, and just having that experience of being in really high level games, um, you kind of know how to handle your emotions and you know that there's just another task at hand that you have to handle and you kind of just deal with everything else after no matter what happens. Um, so yeah, and I mean, for me too, it's been a while, but I was, I've been in a national championship game um, situation even before college. Um, I, pl- I played in a national championship game um, with my travel team. And even though I was young, I mean, I, I kind of had to like tell myself that, you know, like I've been in this situation before. So um, you're ready for this. And like, you've worked your whole life for this, for this situation. So um, yeah, I wasn't too nervous, um, which was surprising, but I think looking back is because we were so prepared. So yeah, and um, heading into overtime in the national championship game, I guess, like, what was going through your head as well? Because you guys scored – Wisconsin scored a goal in the third period, and then you guys tied it up pretty quickly after that. So what was going through your mind after all that situation happened? Just sticking to what we were doing because I think at that point we were starting to really um, 
take it to them. Like you were saying, we scored right after they scored. Um, and the, the ball was rolling more in our favor. So I think for us, it was just staying the course. We kind of knew there was nothing new that needed to be said at that point in the season. There's nothing more that needs to be said because um, we all kind of knew what we had to do uh, and just leave it all out there. And just if you leave it all out there and you, you can live with the result, you have no regrets. And that was just kind of our mentality um, going into that. So, um, yeah, I mean, coach came in, said a few things, but he literally said, you know, I don't really have much to say to you guys. You guys know what you need to do. Um, you guys put yourself in a great position. So just go out there and try your hardest and try to win it. Now that game was really physical, I guess. Like how'd you deal with all the physical play and the refs letting you guys um, play in that game as well? Um, I like it personally. I don't, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, my teammates would say the same thing. And I think a lot of girl hockey players would say the same thing only because too, you kind of grow up playing boys hockey. So I'm, I've been kind of used to just wanting to be physical and use my body if the refs are going to allow it. Um, I think it makes it more challenging and I think it makes it much more uh, competitive. So I, I honestly liked it. I know a lot of our teammates liked it. Um, they, the refs were letting us play. Um, and I think that just, like I said, it makes it more fun um, when you, when you can really just, when you can just play hockey and you can just do whatever you want under what's appropriate um, and not trying to take somebody's head off. But yeah, so, I mean, we enjoyed it. We, we had a good time uh, playing in the games. Um, and yeah, I think the refs did a good job too, just letting us play. Do you think hitting should be allowed in women's hockey, especially in the college level? I personally, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I've said that before to some people that have asked me. I, I like hitting. I think it can make and break plays, um, especially watching at the NHL level. But I think, too, because the games are so fast, you can't – no one's going to be running people over because it's just so fast. Um, and I do – so I do think that, like, if you allow people to hit, like I said, it can make and break plays. It's not to go out and headhunt people. It's not the purpose of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I would not be opposed to it whatsoever. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll change it at some point, but I'm not really – I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I think the only thing about the physical play, at least watching NHL games, is like what you said. Like, there's some players out there that might headhunt and like do make dirty plays. So I guess like that kind of bothers me because like that's not what the physical play is about. So I guess like having the physical play without that aspect would I think add a lot to college hockey, especially in the women's game. I think. I agree. Yep, for sure. Now you obviously lost that game. Uh, the overtime goal was pretty weird because it hit off a player and into the net. I didn't really realize it went in until the players started celebrating because it was bad off out of a goal. So I guess like, what was your reaction to that? So I didn't see what happened until the game was over. Um, I was actually, I had my head turned. I was turning around to our coach and I was asking, cause he was matching lines. I said, I turned around and I wasn't watching. I said, who's next? Like who's going? Cause he was trying to figure out lines. And all of a sudden I had my back turned and I heard cheering. And then I, obviously I could tell it was in our defensive zone. So I was just broken in that second. I was like, oh man, like no way. And then I turned around and yeah, the next thing I know, I saw them coming onto the, uh, onto the ice, uh, Wisconsin. So I didn't really see what happened um, in that moment until I was able to look back like uh, the next day on uh, Twitter and see the replay. And then when I saw it, I was just like, that's how they're going to win. I mean, it's just, it was just a very unfortunate bounce. It was nobody's fault whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow and um, trying to process that's how they won. But 
I mean, when you look back, I mean, it's just a great experience and not many people get to be in the position that we were in. So. Yeah. How's Megan Carter doing? Because I felt so bad because it was not her fault at any sort of point. So like, how's she doing? Yeah. Um, like I said, when I, I didn't see it when it happened and then I was like watching people go over to Meg and I didn't want to ask at the time because when, when we were on the ice, because I was still trying to process how I was feeling too, but I didn't understand like why everyone was comforting her. I'm like, maybe it did a hit off of her. I didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we were back at the hotel, like I finally got an explanation of like what happened and then I saw it the next day. But when I saw her at the hotel, I mean, she was kind of, as anybody should be, you think it's your fault in the moment. Um, and even trying to process it the next day or so um it's tough for anybody so yeah I just was I felt really bad for her and I just remember at the hotel when I saw her I just gave her a hug and um yeah I mean she's doing good now um it's tough for anybody but um yeah I mean she was able I think to probably process it and just kind of move forward at that point so I want to transition a little bit and talk about the beginning of your hockey career so you're from Illinois um how'd you start playing hockey yeah, so I started playing hockey um, with uh, my hometown team. I started pretty late. I started, compared to, like, a lot of my friends, I feel like a lot of my friends start when they're three or four. Um, I started when I was seven or, like, eight, and I played just for, like, my hometown team. Um, my brother, my older brother played, um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And, uh, yeah, so I played on different my teams around where I lived, um played boys pretty much growing up and then uh yeah like travel boys uh house boys whatever and then I eventually like made the decision I wanted to play girls because I wanted to have the opportunity to go play college hockey somewhere um so I eventually played uh for CYA which is Chicago Young Americans it's a triple A team um out in the Chicago area so I played there from eighth grade to my senior year so yeah I played there for about five years um yeah so I that's kind of how I grew up playing hockey and um yeah it was just a great time growing up so who's your favorite player growing up um still to this day my favorite player uh will always be Alex Ovechkin Mm -hmm. um it's kind of funny because I think a lot of people think that I chose number eight because I like Ovechkin, but that's not how it happened. How it happened was I honestly was just given the number eight when I was young. And I remember going on the computer and just typing up hockey players that were number eight. And the first people that came up were Timo Solani and Alex Ovechkin. Um, and I watched the one clip of Ovechkin, like the goal he's known for when he rolls on his back and he yeah. scores against the Coyotes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's amazing. So that's kind of how I stuck with number eight, to be honest. Um, I don't feel like many people know that, but it was kind of reversed. Usually, like, someone figures out their favorite player, and then that's how they get their number. But it was the opposite for me. I was, I was given number eight, and then I honestly just Googled number eight hockey players in the NHL, and that's how it happened. So, um, yeah, I still like him to this day. But um, – I now, I mean, the past few years, I've tried to watch players that I want to replicate. Um, and one of the players I really like to watch are two of them. I like watching Brendan Gallagher because he plays really gritty, um, but he can also put the puck in the net, and he's a smaller he's a smaller forward. Um, but I also really like watching Brock Besser because um, he has a great shot, and he's also just a very good person. I watched um, a documentary about him, and he's just a really good, humble person. 
Um, but yeah, he's a great player. He finds people on the ice he could finish. So um, I really like watching Brock Besser too. So I would say those three players are, are some of my top players to watch. Yeah, it was cool to see Ovechkin win the cup recently. So I guess, um, how did those experiences with CYA help prepare you for college hockey with Northeastern? They helped me a lot in the sense of um, we would travel hockey. We had to play a lot and we didn't practice very much. So I had to just learn my development through a lot of games, um, which is your like almost like your best learning tool is just to play the game and figure it out. Um, so, yeah, we played a lot of tournaments. Um, so I think with CYA, that was a huge advantage for me. And I think, too, just having really good coaching throughout that process. Um, sorry. Throughout that process was um, a really good thing for me to have. And, uh, yeah, I think CYA was a really good development for me going to Northeastern. And talk about your recruitment process and what made you want to go to Northeastern. And when did they come on your radar? Yeah, so when I was being recruited, um, I feel like the recruitment process changes every year when I hear about it. Um, when I was able to be recruited, it was at a very young age, so um, I don't know how it is now, but I think they could start talking to your coaches your freshman year because I didn't talk to them my freshman year. My coaches did, and um, they were saying to my coaches that they were interested. Um, they watched me at the national or at nationals in San Jose in 2013. That's um, where we won it when I was a U14. So um, our assistant coach at the time was there and watching. So then he reached out to um, my head coach and um, my going into my sophomore year uh, was when you were able to um, go on uh, recruitment trips and stuff. So I visited Northeastern was the first place that I visited um, going into my sophomore year that summer. And I honestly like loved it. And it's just so weird. I just knew that's where I wanted to go because I just loved the city. The moment I stepped on campus, I felt as if I was at home. And I mean, I didn't think I was going to feel that way. And I did. Um, and then I was able to experience, um, something completely opposite. I was able to visit Colgate. So that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So right away, I was kind of able to get a gauge of what I wanted. And I told my dad, my dad came with me. I said, I want to go to Northeastern. And um, like any parent, he's like, are you sure? Like you just started. And I'm just like, no, I want to go here. This is where I feel like I'm at home. Um, and the coaches were very um, welcoming and eager um, to potentially having me. Um, and that's what also made me feel very comfortable with um, Northeastern because they were interested and they showed that they cared about me more than just a player. Um, so that was also really uh, a huge advantage, I think. Um, having great coaching staff right from the beginning and they haven't changed since. Um, so, you know, they're, they're really genuine people. Now, was there any adjustment you had to make to college hockey? Was it the speed of the game or just the, I guess the mental side of the game, making quicker decisions with the puck? I think for my freshman year, I had to get adjusted to the speed um, for sure. Um, my freshman year, I remember just, I did really well in practices, but in games, I think, the speed kind of threw me off a little bit as any freshman. I, I feel like um, you're going to against some of the top players in the, in the whole country and even around the world, there's kids coming from Europe and stuff. So yeah, definitely the speed um, was something that I had to get adjusted to. And even just um, like I mentioned earlier with CYA, we didn't practice every single day. So 
going to then practicing every single day was physically an adjustment. Um, yeah, so I think those two things for sure was my freshman year, what I had to get adjusted to. Now, uh, what should be done to help grow women's hockey, in your opinion? I know we talked a little bit about, like, the physical play, but is there anything in particular that you think should be done to help grow the sport? Um, For me, I just think we've done a great job already with um, the steps that we've been making the past year or so, but obviously there's always more room to grow. Um, But for me, I feel like the best way you can get to know something is the exposure to it um, with anything in general. So um, just more coverage, more exposure to it, um, screen time, uh, media coverage, I think is some of the best ways to help promote anything, especially um, with women's hockey. So I would say that probably would be a really great tool to kind of keep pushing forward uh, the growth of women's hockey. Now, I got to ask you this. You are now officially a teammate of a Patty Kazmaier Award winner. What was your reaction to Aaron winning that award? I was ecstatic. <laughs> um, I called Aaron, and she didn't answer because she was so busy, as she should be in that moment. And I left her a voicemail, which was just um, me basically saying how proud I was of her. Um, I was just through the roof. Um, uh, I just am so proud of her and the accomplishments that she's been able to have. Her time at Northeastern here has been um, tremendous. And I think what's so cool is that I was able to just kind of really see the whole growth of her um, because she came when I was a sophomore and she's, we're still not technically in the same class. Um, so I've really been able to experience her whole process with her and just see how much she's grown. Um, that was something that I was super proud of her for. And I think she is so deserving of um, that Patty Kazmaier uh, award. So yeah, I was just super proud of her, and I know her her um, her family is really proud of her too. Yeah, definitely. There was like three players on your team that could have definitely won that award too, which is pretty crazy. So I'm excited to see what happens next year. Well, is there any shout outs you'd like to give to any of your teammates, friends, or family members? Um. Well, always shout out to my teammates because I love my teammates. Um, shout out to I guess my two really good friends that were also here at my time in Northeastern, Maddie Hartman and Paige Capstrand. Um, yeah, those two are like some of my closest friends that I have at Northeastern. Um, they're really special people. And yeah, they're just still one of my closest, some of my closest friends to this day. And when I think about my memories at Northeastern, I think of those two. Um, yeah, so they were in my class pretty much the whole time I was here, obviously. So they're some great people. And I know you interviewed Paige. So um, yeah, she's just a great person. Uh, very hard worker and uh yeah just i would say my teammates and those two for sure love them all maddie hartman will be on the podcast soon i just want to tease that a little bit for people that are listening but uh thank you so much andrea for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it i admire you a lot as a player but you're also a better person off the ice as well so i want to let you know that and thank you so much again for taking time out of your schedule and coming on it means a lot to me take care and stay safe thank you appreciate the time I just wanted to say thank you so much to Andrea for coming on the podcast. It really means a lot to me, and I wish her nothing but the best moving forward with her hockey endeavors. I also want to thank everyone who listened to this episode. It really means a lot to me. Uh, So thank you all for the support that this podcast has received. It really means a lot to me, and I just can't thank you guys enough. Uh, You can watch this entire interview on our YouTube channel at College Hockey Talk. Make sure you subscribe to that and like our videos. 
And yeah, make sure you follow our social media accounts as well. I'll see you guys next time with another great podcast. But until then, take care, everyone, and have a great day. Bye. Wanna shake the ground, wanna break away, let loose. I'm tired of waiting, gonna make that move. All the neon signs, now they shout to me and you to write a story. Wanna shape the new. Yeah.